Listen to her. If it's Wednesday, we are talking consumer insights with BDSA, and this is like my master class every week. Absolutely. Excited to, to jump in and start talking some data and insights. And, and what are we talking about this week? We've had such a busy summer of talking about all things market forecasts, and we talked Colorado and California, and now we're going to do, I think, California again, and Canada, it's like, it's like I, you know I love it, and I'm not just shining you on. Well, appreciate that. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I feel like we've got we've gotten to cover a very wide range of topics through the summer. Um, as we're heading into fall, have some really, really exciting announcements and exciting developments coming down the pike. Um, more to come later in September, as you know, Jay. Um, in particular, those of you who follow us on social media might see some um, some drips and some some teases about our upcoming retail sales tracking launches up in Canada by province by province, as well as some other products as well. Um, but before we dive into all things uh, new products uh, in the coming weeks, I thought we'd take a little bit of a pause and check out the California market. Uh, we've done a decent amount of looking at and understanding the Colorado market earlier in the summer and how what we can learn up in Canada uh, from Colorado. And I thought it'd be fun to do the same thing um, in California. You know, quite frankly, the, the West Coast is really on um, a lot of our minds here in the States as we're watching uh, these wildfires and then some of these challenges unfold. Um, so just thought we'd give a little bit of love and a little shout out to our, our neighbors to the south in California and see what we can learn about what's going on there in their markets. Love it. I brought a prop. Are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it was a friend, <laughs> a gift from a dear friend in San Francisco who is, you know, they are, they're indoors, not only because of the pandemic, but the air quality too. So yeah. shout out to everybody in San Francisco. Uh, do you want to get right into it? Yeah, let's do it. So let's dive in, uh, take a little look at what's going on within the California cannabis market this week. I would shop at a place called California Cannabis Market. <laughs> Me too. There probably is a place called California sure. Cannabis Market, but you can find it. Um, so we talked a lot about our market forecasts, which were newly updated over the last couple of weeks. Uh, so no need to spend a lot of time here, but it does bear repeating. Um, and good news is always worth sharing multiple times. And we're seeing a lot of upside for the cannabis market globally, up to a $47 billion market uh, by the time we get to 2025. And of course, the majority of that growth coming from uh, North America, um, Canada, and the U.S. And within the U.S., California remains the largest single state, um, actually roughly on par with what we're going to be seeing or what we're forecasting to be seeing coming out of the, <coughs> excuse me, coming out of the Canada market. So we've got Canada forecast to hit about 6 billion, a little over 6 billion by 2025 in US dollars uh, for the entire, uh, entire cannabis regulated industry. And within California, we're seeing relatively similar uh, forecasts for size of industry. So for to about 6.3 billion, so just a little bit larger than the Canadian market. When we think about the overall US growth, um, you know, 2020 U.S. is forecasted to be about 16 billion. Um, California is going to account for about 3 billion of that total. So it continues to be really significant and important market within the U.S. Um, and we expect to see that importance and that significance continue as we push through over the next five years. Um, so can, as I mentioned, can, our California growing to about 6 billion. 
but also worth pointing out that large bar there all the way to the right side of the chart, uh, which is our new markets and all other markets in the US cons consisting of a pretty significant chunk. Um, and this remains a pretty, uh, pretty important difference between the way the Canadian market and the way the US market is evolving over the next five years, Jay, as you know, um, as we continue to see um, until we get into federal legalization, we continue to see market by market shifts in the US. Um, we did take a very educated guess along with some of our partners here in the US at forecasting out when the medical and adult use programs will start coming online state by state. Um, importantly, these numbers or these dates are based on when the program starts, not when the program is legalized. Uh, so there's typically somewhere between a one and uh, one year on best case scenario and up to, you know, three years even um, on worst case scenario between when a state program is legalized um, and then those sales or the, that program actually gets up and running. So of course, 2020 this year, we're seeing Illinois in May 2021. Uh, we've got another uh, another nice batch uh, of states coming in, kind of important ones there, Arizona, a pretty significant market. Uh, but in spite of all of these new markets coming on, you know, California really does remain one of our most important and most significant markets, um, not just in terms of sales volume, uh, where of course it remains the largest, but also in terms of influence, uh, culture, brands, brand incubation, product innovation, uh, continues to, the, to be the market um, where we in the U.S. look for, for new trends and look for um, consumer influences. And of course, up in Canada, um, certainly holds true as well. Being able to understand what's going on in that market is certainly helpful for, uh, for us up in Canada as well. Uh, you know, as we mentioned, it has been a pretty difficult year for California um, in a lot of different ways. You know, between COVID and all the civil unrest we've been seeing there, of course, now the fires that are really devastating uh, much of the state. Um, in many ways, poor California uh, really can't catch a break this year. No. Um, but it's nice to know that thus far, uh, cannabis and cannabis sales and the cannabis industry really have been a nice bright spot for the state. Uh, we have seen record setting sales uh, in July, expect to see additionally strong sales in August. Um, and we'll be paying close attention throughout the rest of Q3 and into Q4 um, at the sales performance. Uh, so nice to see that thriving kind of in spite of, and maybe in some cases as we'll dive into consumer preferences and reason for consuming, maybe in some ways even because of all the stressors uh, that California as a state and the consumers and, um, and citizens of California are are experiencing and going through. Um, so through the end of July, California actually had almost 2 billion in total sales. Um, as I mentioned, July was a record setting month. We expect to see that trend um, stay strong, although some external factors and in particular, of course, in, in September and October, the fires um, may play a role in those sales. Uh, but all that being said, if you do compare the growth rates for California um, compared to last year to some of the other markets in the U.S. that BDSA tracks, uh, one thing that you'll notice is that in spite of the fact that California has seen uh, sales growth, their growth compared to last year hasn't been quite as strong as some of the other comparative states. And the two I would really look at are Colorado and Oregon. 
which in terms of maturity and in terms of um, years in the market are more similar um, than say uh, Maryland, which you're seeing incredibly high growth rates, but that's a brand new market. Um, so very, very new in its market maturity phase. Um, and then of course, Arizona, where we're seeing very strong growth, um, which is a medical only market. So again, a little bit different. When we think about the numbers driving that sales growth and who's actually consuming, um, and I know, Jay, we've talked a lot about percentage of consumers versus acceptors versus rejectors up in Canada. Um, and we've talked about it for some states in the US too. Um, California is pretty interesting because in spite of its status as sort of one of the cultural hubs um, of cannabis consumption and uh, long-term long market maturity and market development, we actually see a slightly lower percentage of adults 21 plus across the entire state um, that consume than we do in other states like Colorado and Oregon as an example, which are both somewhere around 42% of adults in legal state, or excuse me, uh, adults of legal age consuming. When you break down California to Northern California versus Southern California, uh, which are really two very different regions as, uh, as you probably likely know, uh, with some very significant cultural differences as well, uh, we do see a slight uh, lean towards Southern California in terms of percent of, uh, of adults consuming. Uh, but interestingly enough, you know, neither of those numbers come uh, to the levels that we see in Canada. So Canada as an entire country is at about 35% adults consuming cannabis of legal age, uh, which is mirrored by Ontario, which is at also at 35%. But then when you look at those Western provinces, uh, which I know often get compared to California more so even than some of the Eastern provinces, uh, you see a much higher percentage there. Uh, so you see Alberta and British Columbia both coming in closer to what we see in Colorado or Oregon um, in terms of percent of consumers who are, um, who are currently considered to be consumer or, uh, consumers. Uh, we've also talked a lot, Jay, in the past about uh, the multifaceted consumption and the, the different motivations for consuming. Um, and we've talked about this, I believe, in, in terms of California, uh, or excuse me, in terms of Canadian uh, consumers. And pretty interesting to see how this breaks out in California as well. Um, so similar to the entire US and similar to Colorado, we do see a higher percentage of consumers in California who are uh, consuming for health or medical reasons than we do in Canada. So almost 60% uh, within California are stating that they consume for health or medical reasons. We continue to see Canada under index a bit uh, compared to not just this market, but, but other markets um, in stating uh, that they're self-reporting that they're consuming cannabis for health or medical purposes. In Canada, it's about 45% of consumers. Uh, interesting to see the difference in uh, the self-reported utilizing of cannabis for recreational and social. Uh, so again, SoCal coming out a little ahead of their NorCal neighbors in terms of stating that they consume cannabis for, uh, for fun, essentially, for, for recreational and social purposes. Um, and that Southern California number lines up a little bit closer with the Canadian overall number, uh, which is about 70, excuse me, uh, about 75% as well. We do see that 
Um, even in a market that has as much history and as much time to mature um, as California. And as I mentioned before, California consumers often considered some of the most sophisticated. Um, and certainly these consumers are exposed to the largest individual cannabis market in the US. Um, and then perhaps, you know, um, arguably in the world, a very, very mature market. Um, so in some ways, you know, as I mentioned, we look at the California consumers to see how tastes and preferences might be influenced by market maturity um, and, and going forward. Uh, but even with a market with such sophistication and so many long-standing uh, innovation product development within choices uh, within cannabis 2.0 products or the equivalent of cannabis 2.0 products, uh, it's interesting to see that flower remains king, um, even in California. Um, so um, also though interesting to see that the preference for edibles is much higher in California than it is today in California or up in Canada. Um, again, chalking that up a bit to the newness of the product form formats and availability of cannabis 2.0 products in Canada. Uh, so interesting to see how that's going to be shaking out in, um, in California. Um, another interesting aspect though is the cross consumption in California, um, specifically looking at those inhalable consumers. Uh, seven, over 70% of them also consume edibles. And that is significantly higher than what we see in Canada today, where in Canada, it's somewhere around 50% of inhalables consumers saying they also consume edibles. Um, and again, just thinking about the maturity of the market in, in California and the opportunity to increase that cross-consumption, um, I think we see a, a nice opportunity for the Canadian market uh, to think about bringing, bringing that wider range of products, forms, and formats um, into the, uh, the, the, the Canadian consumer experience as well. Um, probably not a big surprise, top three types of edibles that we're looking at in California, very similar that, uh, to the Canada preferences of gummies, baked goods, and of course the ever popular chocolates as well. Flipping over and looking at the retail sales tracking data, so what the actual sales in Canada are telling us, um, we again see a pretty interesting story emerging with this category evolution um, in, in California. Uh, so we saw over the past three years, um, we did see a decrease in share of flower sales as vape sales came in uh, primarily and took share. So while the percentage of products coming from these, let's call the inhalable side of the product, um, product spectrum, continue to stay about similar, we did see that shift in product mix as more, pro as more consumers went towards, towards the vape category. Uh, of course, end of last year uh, and, and into the early this year, we had some uh, some serious health concerns around vape and some scares that happened um, that certainly impacted sales in the short term. Uh, but interesting to see that the, the importance of flower continuing in 2020, even as we've moved past that sort of what was uh, referred to as the vape crisis uh, back in late 2019, uh, but still seeing that popularity of flower continue to maintain. Um, and then of course edibles uh, remaining a very strong and consistent portion of the market in California, somewhere around 15% of total sales coming out of that edibles, which does include uh, drinkables by the way. So that's many things that you're, that you're ingesting there. 
Looking forward the next five years, uh, we continue to forecast flower uh, as, the, as the most important contributor of growth to the California market. Um, although vape and edibles, of course, also coming in as very important categories. Um, however, however um, again, it doesn't, uh, doesn't hurt to, to continue to focus on the basics, right? So, so flour continues to, uh, continues to remain an incredibly important percentage and an important part of the California market. We're looking at 2019, uh, full year sales for flour was a billion dollar market um, in California in and of itself. Uh, some kind of interesting stats here for those of you who, who like to see some of the data. Uh, the most popular strain in California last year was wedding cake. And the uh, hybrid sales, similar to most markets, hybrid sales were the most popular um, in terms of overall share of market. Number one brand in California, Flocana. Uh, and then of course you can see a couple of our, our, uh, our other top five in alphabetical order flower brands in California as well. Um, interesting to note that branded flower does do very well in California. Uh, where in some of our other state markets, uh, we see a less uh, prominent branding in the flower side of the business as we see more uh, retail branded or white label flower products coming out the door in some of our other states than we necessarily do in California, although there still is an aspect of commoditization of flower uh, that the industry and, and the U.S. continues to um, sort of grapple around uh, that, that difference between sort of the, uh, the, the price protection around branding um, versus that white label um, convenience and, and ease, of, um, ease of access. Of course, we can't talk about uh, cannabis product forms without thinking about the 2.0 products. So when we think about ingestibles or edibles in California, uh, $500 million market in 2019 and a couple of stats there. Probably won't be surprising, Jay, to you or to anybody who's listened to some of these other uh, deep dives into other markets before. Candy remains very, very significant portion of ingestible sales in the US and that candy sale uh, category is driven primarily by the gummies category. Uh, so in California, uh, Kiva, number one brand in 2019. And interesting note about Kiva. Uh, so Kiva has its roots as a company with its roots um, in the chocolate category. So chocolate bars primarily as they're kind of their first introduction into the market. Uh, definitely a legacy brand in, um, in California. And by legacy, I don't actually mean coming out of the illicit market uh, like we do in, in Canada. I just mean <laughs> that it's been part of the market um, and, a, and a very important part of the California legal cannabis market for some number of years. Uh, but interesting that in 2020, Kiva's top six best-selling products were all gummies. Um, and those were followed actually by what they call terabytes, uh, which are low dose single serve uh, chocolate products, uh, whether they be chocolate covered almonds or coffee beans or chocolate covered blueberries, um, all of which are extremely delicious, by the way, uh, yeah. but also but also low dose product. Uh, so so between 2.5 and 5 milligram products. So, um, you know, a couple interesting notes there as, as to seeing how um, even a brand that's been so significant in the market for such a long time continues to evolve um, and, and the product, uh, product availability continues to evolve um, as the California market evolves. <laughs> Yoga. 
<laughs> you can see where my priorities lie. Yeah, that's fine. It's perfect. It goes perfect with a nice gummy. <laughs> exactly. It does indeed. It does indeed. Um, you know, one more thing before we, before we drop off of the California market, uh, one more thing I think is really interesting and kind of a note for, for us as we think about the Canadian market. Um, California came from a much more fractured place uh, than Canada ever did um, in terms of number of brands, number of products, number of things in the market. I um, mean, even that market uh, with all that fracture and all the, the uh, many, many, many uh, brand and product options that were have been available um, historically within the California market, we're still seeing that brand consolidation happen in the California market. So H1 2020, you know, over half of the edible sales came from the top five brands. Uh, so we do continue to see that consolidation. We expect that to continue. Um, and it is resulting in some, uh, some price pressure and some other sort of uh, competitive um, aspects of the market that you would expect in a, in a more uh, sort of mature CPG type style uh, market environment. So certainly seeing that happening in the California market, expect to see that to continue. Um, and we'll be very, very excited uh, to compare and contrast the California brand configurations to, uh, let's say, the BC brand configurations in the coming, coming weeks and months as we uh, launch deeper into our uh, brand and product tracking for uh, the Western provinces in, in Canada. I, I know I do this every time. I'm like, this is unbelievable stuff. But, but a couple things that I wanted to ask you about, because um, mo mostly about California, then sort of one big picture about what's happening in the U.S. Um, uh, over 50% being dry flour, and actually dry, not 50%, but dry flour plus pre-rolls is more than 50% of the overall market. And, and it went, it's sort of the overall number of percentage of sales went down, and then it's going back up. But I wonder if, if and then you sort of talked about how, brand specific some of that is like is it because people are finding their brand and keep buying and buying more of it is that driving the increase in flower sales or do you know but but it is interesting that the, the the consolidation around brand both on the edible side but also on the flower side is driving more sales in both of those categories yeah and i think it's also interesting when you consider the fact that california does have a bit more of a concentrated market um just purely on the fact that you know you see california has about 33 percent of their adult population are consumers whereas in some other states it's a it's a larger percentage um so those two things together do tell us that the core consumer uh, is an incredibly important portion of the california market um, and in fact, and I didn't actually ask you to see this question, but I'm so glad you did because it gives me the opportunity to, uh, to drop another little tease and a hint. Uh, we've actually just completed a full consumer segmentation uh, work, um, actually segmenting out not just consumers, but also non-consumers as well. Uh, so more to come there. And we actually probably will use California in some cases um, to illustrate the importance of those consumer segments and understanding how they shop um, and how what percentage of market sales are coming from each of these uh, various consumer groups. So um, as I'm sure you can, you can imagine, some groups are small percentages uh, that actually count for quite a big portion of the market. Um, so absolutely seeing that coming into play in California. Um, and certainly we'll, we'll be able to watch that unfold um, up in the Canadian markets as well. Yeah, the other, the other part that was interesting is the cross-consumption component and sort of how that's tracking in California, because especially as 
um, here maybe more than there is that it's basically the same brands with different products. Like there's flower products that are company X in Canada and the edible products that sort of marry up or, or this is sort of the intent or the game plan. So, I mean, not only is there cross consumption, but will there be cross brand identification across different categories, which, you know, is also interesting and compelling. And the other part that, that struck me is actually not about California, but about where, where the growth is going to come from in other states, because obviously the West, we've talked about that, California, Washington, Oregon, Nevada, right? We've, we've also talked a little bit about the Midwest leading by, by Illinois and Michigan. And then of course the Northeast, we talk about a, a lot, but there were some states on that category in 2022, I think, coming on board, which, which really would be a major um, shift in the sector in the South. Right, like I think I saw George on there. Like there were some states where you wouldn't think they are on the cusp of something, but this is a a wave and a trend that is happening in the U.S., which of course is going to drive most of the sort of North American sales. But it really is a a political and policy and sort of mindset shift as well, which is really exciting and and um, it'll be exciting to watch and observe. Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. And and we continue to. Uh, you know, look up to you in the north um, as our uh, as our goal for for federal legalization or full full legalization. But in the meantime, um, you know, the states really are taking matters into their own hands. Um, and you've probably seen you know statements from the governor of Pennsylvania, for example. Uh, many more conservative and or swing states uh, state governments are taking a closer look at cannabis as a way to build much, much needed um, income and, and, and revenue for, the, for these states, whether it be in the markets themselves or also in, uh, in form of tax dollars. Um, so I, I really do think that we're going to see the importance of these state by state uh, market legalization um, up to and including after uh, federal legalization um, does become a part of the, the US landscape as well. Um, you know, that's why we continue with our forecast, continue to, to think about this on a market by market and state by state basis, um, even after federal legalization is enacted, because it really is important to think of these states um, individually and separately. Yeah. And as you said at the beginning, and this is why it's so exciting, I mean, sort of if you look at, at California and you look at Canada being roughly the same sort of market size by 2025, but California sort of ahead of where we are in terms of market just market advancement and try to draw those parallels of where brands are going to develop consumer preference. It is all, it's all going up and to the right, which is great, but it's also, there's a lot to, a lot to think about in terms of corporate strategy and all those things as, um, as the market evolves and, and we get to a, a normal normalization of sort of the retail environment, then it'll be about sort of, brand preference and why are people choosing those Absolutely. things and who are choosing those things. Availability comes first, yep. And I think you, you mentioned earlier, uh, and I do think it's really interesting to compare and contrast California where many of the brands are coming from a place where they uh, started as a chocolates brand or started as a flower brand or started as a, you know, kind of fill in the concentrates brand and then are branching out into um, additional product forms and formats where to your point earlier, Canada is sort of the opposite, where we're seeing brands starting, uh, starting with a full suite or full array of product forms and products. Um, and even just now, we're starting to see um, a few brands that are a little bit more, more narrowly focused up in Canada. So certainly two different approaches to the market to, to pay very close attention to. And I think 
the learning goes both ways. Um, you know, those in California are very excited to get their hands on some of this Canadian um, insights and data to understand what's going well um, up in the provinces um, and vice versa. Lots to learn uh, from the Canadian side um, in under better understanding what's been going on in California and um, other markets as well, of course. Well, as always, the Wednesday Masterclass with Liz Tahura <laughs> is amazing. Uh, thanks, Liz, for your time, for sharing all details about, um, you know, the best state in the union, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and I can say that because I lived there for a while, but, but I appreciate that. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next week. Absolutely. Thanks, Jay.